Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue in our study of the book of Jude with verses 17 through 20. Jude is a warning to the church against certain ungodly persons who creep into the church unnoticed. These people infiltrate the body of Christ and can inflict tremendous damage. Please listen to Pastor Jim as he presents today's portion of this week's message entitled, But You, Beloved. Finding fault describes the person who is not at all interested in finding a solution to a problem, but always interested in blaming it on someone who complains against God for His will. That's an, a word not used very often in the New Testament. I, we, we found a use of it in a... It came from a, a description of a character in a Greek play. And this character was described in the play this way. You're satisfied by nothing that befalls you. You complain at everything. You don't want what you've got. You long for what you haven't got. In winter, you wish it were summer, and in summer that it were winter. You are like the sick folk, hard to please, and the one who complains about his lot in life. So what is Jude's point in all of this? Don't play games with God and His people. Uh, Flattering people there and... uh, speaking arrogantly and following after their own lust. That is a perfect description of much of what is done in churches these days, designed to make people feel good. I have lived through the arrival of and the planting of the seeds and the sprouting of the plant of, the, of this entire self-esteem movement. When I was in school, we didn't talk about self-esteem. Uh, that, was, that, was, that was never a subject. Now it's the cornerstone of, uh, of anti-Christian psychology. Well, your problem is you don't have high enough self-esteem. Now we know what, we know what people mean by that. It isn't that there isn't a, a kernel of truth in there if you're constantly uh, diminishing yourself and all of that. But the point is the whole self-esteem movement is absolutely antithetical to Christianity. The problem is not that you don't have enough self-esteem. The problem is you have way too much self-esteem. That's why Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself, meaning apply as much love to your neighbor as you do to taking care of your own self. Humility is what will allow you to know the Lord, serve the Lord, build up other people, and oh, What does he do with the humble? He exalts them. You want to build your self-esteem? Head for the bottom of the heap and start lifting up other people. You understand? That's antithetical to Christianity to 
speak arrogantly, to manipulate people. What, what does Second Timothy chapter 4 say? And, uh, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction because the days will come when people want to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers who tell them what they want to hear. Now, it wasn't on Sunday morning last week, but since I was last with you, I, I, I also listened to a rather in-depth uh, exploration of what, um, what, what Joel Osteen preaches. And it was, it was appalling, absolutely appalling. It, it, and it was, it was all excerpts from interviews that he's done. When somebody like Larry King or somebody else would say, so, so what is your position on same-sex marriage? And he always begins his answer the same way. Well, I don't know. That's always what he says. You can't know the Bible and not know God's design for the human race. Male and female, he created them. And so he says, yeah, I know what the Bible says, but, but we don't condemn anybody. Well, then you're not preaching what the Bible says. Why did I come to Christ? Because I found out I'm condemned. I found out I deserve eternity in the lake of fire. That's exactly the opposite of what the creepy ones want to teach. Now pastors are trained to tell people, well, don't, conf- don't, don't confront anyone, meet their needs if you can, but don't call them to repentance, don't call them to, to uh, commitment. One of the other things that was asked of, uh, of Osteen was, was uh, so you don't preach on sin? Well, I don't know. People already have a pretty good idea what they've done wrong. They don't need me to tell them. Well, how do you tell the good news if you don't tell the bad news? Christ died not for your lack of self-esteem. He died for your, for your sins. But now we're to tell people things like, come and be refreshed. Or uh, you ever heard this one? Give Jesus a chance. Okay, you've tried a whole bunch of other things. Now give Jesus a chance. He'll give you a 30-day money-back guarantee <laughs> if he doesn't come through. All of that stuff is designed to tell people they're important and they're in control that's what you do to draw crowds. Just, it's just that it isn't Christianity. Well, there are lots of creepy ones, I'm sorry to say. And now look at the punchline. What to do. Point number two, starting at verse 17. But you, beloved. It says, but you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you is the contrast. He said all those terrible things about the ones who crept in unnoticed. But Jude says, but since you aren't like the creepy ones, here's what I want you to do. First command, you ought to remember. Remember what? Well, glad you asked. Go back to the words spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. That refers to the faith which has once for all been handed down to the saints. That refers to everything so far in the New Testament, what was said by the apostles, and they 
accepted the canonicity and the inspiration and the inerrancy of the Old Testament. Everything but the book of Revelation had been written, and very soon the book of Revelation was going to come along and say exactly the same thing about it. In other words, cling to what God says in His written Word. You, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. And look at verses 18 and 19. That they were saying to you, in the last time, there shall be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. In other words... They aren't brothers and sisters. They're infiltrators. And the most specific reference to these ungodly, phony infiltrators that comes from the apostles that came before, mainly I think he was almost quoting verbatim the apostle Peter. Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, Know this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking following after their own lusts. This is one of the reasons that we understand that Peter predicted the proliferation of the infiltrators, and Jude sent notice, they're here. And by the way, a little note on 2 Peter chapter 3, when he talks about mockers coming in their mocking, follow through in that context a little bit. What primarily are the teachings that, that people slip into the church? Most of all, they attack the beginning of the Bible and the end of the Bible. Just get rid of those first 11 chapters. Just say that they're symbolic or they're poetical or they're to be interpreted allegorically. Because if God created everything in six days, where is direct creation? And if He created them male and female, that's the design for marriage. And if Adam and Eve, our federal heads, fell, then we all fell in Adam and Eve. And if the flood happened, that shows you how badly God, uh, how, how firmly God deals with rebellion and with and with sin. But if you can just spiritualize all of that away, then you don't have to deal with the bad news to which the answer is the good news of Jesus Christ. And the other place they tend to attack is the end. Peter says, well, they, they, they come with their mocking, where is the promise of His coming? Everything's going on just like it always has from the beginning. And Peter rather subtly says, when they say that, it escapes their notice that God killed them all in the flood. So looking back to the end, but then they say, where's the promise of His coming? And Peter says, look, God doesn't live within time. Who are you to put Him on a timetable when He's going to fulfill His promises? But the mockers mock the beginning and they mock the end. And once they do that, they can mock all through the middle of it and get away with it. So um, it's interesting also to notice that in that same context that Jude has said, refer, uh, remember what was said before by the prophets. And back in 2 Peter's context, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 16 and 16, he connected to the dots between the mockers to come and the words of Paul 
2 Peter 3, 15 and 16. Just as also our beloved brother Paul. Don't tell me Peter and Paul weren't friends. They were. Paul loved Peter so much he confronted him when he, when he aired. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.